welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Hi, welcome back to Employee of the Month. I'm Katie Lazarus. I hope you know that by now. On this episode, I sat down with the triumphant actor, Bobby Cannavale, Tony Award-nominated actor who you've probably seen on Boardwalk Empire or Will and Grace if you didn't get to... You couldn't afford to go see Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross with Al Pacino. No biggie. That was his most recent, but he's actually right now getting ready for the big night Cliff Odette's play. So you can catch him after you after you listen to this interview. You will run that walk to TKTS to get tickets, which you should do. It was a treat to interview Bobby. He has been an actor for a very long time. What I loved most about our interview was hearing about his mentors. I I always wish I had had mentors along the way, and whether it's uh, Kevin Clash, who's been on the show, or Bobby Cannavale, these incredibly talented guys who all knew what they wanted to do also had people who helped show them the way again and again and again, and it was a joy to hear about Lamford Wilson, the playwright, as well as Sidney Lumet, uh, the director. They were wonderful artists in their own right and clearly recognized that in Bobby as well. So here's my interview with Mr. Bobby Cannavale. You want, wait, you have your phone. Do you need to you, get your phone? Are you, uh, no, it's unknown. That means that's someone very famous. Unknown? Yeah. It's, it's, Do you know who's calling I'd never you right pick now? Up an unknown. Who's calling me? Barry Obama. You think? Yeah. I have a secret little dream that, like, I meet him on, at, on some at something, and he, and he just goes like, "Hey, man, you want to come on and play basketball Ta- with totally. the guys?" And that's all I want is a basketball relationship with. Do you Barry. you play basketball, right? Are I don't happy? anymore because I had knee surgery and I'm old now, and I, I'll break it again. But I would go play with the president. I would I would play well. Yeah, if you had the chance to play If I had the chance, that would be the ultimate Rocky moment for me. Doesn't he play with, like, some of the best Can you imagine, like, I've had to, like, cancel some pretty big deal things for, like, other things that were, like, family or something. Or, like, I'm sorry, I know, but I can't make it. I can't do it. I have to cancel. You mean, like, the Oscars or something like that? Whatever. Like, I, I would not, like, can you imagine having, like, a conflict come up with basketball with the wait, president wait, okay, what of the would United be, States. Wait, no, no, no. So what would that conflict be? <laughs> what would the conflict be? Like, that, would be that would prevent Well, the you. worst would be obviously, you know, death. somebody's death. Yeah, but it'd have to, well, but no, but it let's, would have let's, to, let's you'd have serious. to rank them even there. Like, it'd have to be your son's death. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> I mean, just, but honestly, like, okay, I mean, whose death would yeah, it be yeah. that would like... <laughs> Mom... <laughs> But, like, some uncles, for instance, or aunts or cousins oh, would, would definitely out. not make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> then you get into friends. This is, like, the most vicious top eight you could possibly have. <laughs> totally. Like, if you ever need to plan a wedding, no, the this worst, is how you should do the, it. By the way, the worst top, the worst <laughs> list thing ever was my poker guys. I played this poker game for years and years. And it's the same 12 guys, 13 guys. And, um, and, and one night we were all out, and I was like, guys. We, we like to gamble on stupid shit just between us. Like, like, what is the stupid shit? Like a death pool. Like, we did a death pool. I was like, who's going to die first in the group? <laughs> and everybody, we were all sitting around. We were at a friend's house, actually, upstate. We'd get up there for the fantasy football drafts, you know? So we're up there, and we're all hanging out around the whatever, you know, chilling. And, and I was like, and, and I said that, and everybody looked around at each other and really started assessing. Just to, like, figure out? Totally. And then, like, the guy who had the majority of us yeah, looking at yeah. him was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> it was the, it was the was same that? guy. I don't want to say his name. 
Because but that's a pretty did he bad also win your fantasy bowl. football pool? No, he's definitely gonna be the first to go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he gonna go because of his eating habits, or because someone else is gonna hurt him, or because of his drug habits? No, none of that. It's just a vibe. You just know. Yeah, yeah, it's just no. A vibe. I know my mother, who is crazy, will live forever. I know she yeah, will be right. here till 100. My mother, I think, is going to be here forever. Yeah, forever. Too. I mean, like, that's my punishment. Yeah. <laughs> like, Did you hear this thing that somebody told me the other day, and I don't know if it's true or not, that babies who are being born today are going to have a life expectancy of, like, 110? But you it makes this? perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, but, like, that quick. That means that when I'm, like, maybe that means <laughs> that's when, actually really when long. we're, like, 60. Yeah. 60 is definitely, like, going to be the new 35. But that makes me happy because maybe I'll find true love in a job and a boyfriend by true, 60. Hold on. True love, job, boyfriend. That's that's a list. <laughs> that's a weird order list. <laughs> I didn't say that to me in that you know, order. But, I <laughs> but you did that. say it in an order. I'm just saying. Wait, okay, so who else is in this fantasy football league? Because you were on some sports podcast talking about football. All just the dudes, like guys that have been all. You named all of us it on are that actors. one. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could shout out all the guys like Tom, Tom, Wait. Tommy Lyons, oh, no, Danny funny. Master Giorgio, <laughs> Dallas Roberts, Paul Rudd, Danny, um, Scott Sowers, Mo Rosen, um, John Hamm. Um, Wait, Mo Rosen? You know Mo. I think I do. Yeah, you Mo probably Rosen. know Mo. He's a comedian. Mo and Mary. Yes, they're yeah. the sweetest. Oh, uh, they're the best. He came to Employee of the Month. I love him. He did? Them. Yeah. They're the best. Mo, Mo won our last fantasy, the, uh, our football I don't understand. League. You have dreams and you write out your dreams and then from that, the person who wrote out the best dream wins. What is fantasy football? Oh, but that's a great idea. Dear guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dear bitches, actually. That's how those emails start. Uh, but, you know, they're the bitches. You know, we've been friends forever. We, I mean, like, we've started this poker game. Like, ah, it must be like, it's over 10 years now. And it started out where we were, you know, and we don't, it's not like crazy amounts of money, but it did start out quarters, literally quarter bets. You know, the biggest raise you could make was a dollar. And now it's, um, it's become something, you know, like, um, uh, like we all, we've all given each other the same amount of money. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah, us. Yeah, it goes between you guys. It, uh, all the money flows does between anyone, us Does anyone years. who like either wins too much or loses too much get pushed out? No, 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 no. Do you know what I mean? Like, if there was someone who was like always losing or always nah. winning, it is literally the most friendliest card game, you know, in New York. That sounds boring. I'm just kidding. No, it's, <laughs> but you know, guys who like to play cards for money, like really yeah. gamble, yeah, 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 like they would hate. They would. First of all, we have a thing called the moratorium, so like nobody's really nobody's allowed in, and people try to get in, and it's the they same can. guys. Yeah, so like for gambler it's not a gambler's table it's really a chance for all of us to get together literally every tuesday night for the last 12 years and there are guys that are married and have babies and have grown kids and we're you know but tuesday night we play cards and we don't always all show up jolo trulio how can i forget joe do you know jolo i know who he is jolo and i went to high school together he's my oldest friend is that true yeah so was he acting then as well yeah we were in place together in high school so like when you were in in florida or in in florida okay and so you got expelled. How come? Oh, because uh, I find well, I because I was a great reader. I got uh, <laughs> I made a uh, well. I was just always clowning and 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 so getting in trouble for like pranks and stuff. And this was a prank, you know. Like I I started this like little zine. And, uh, Wait a minute, you started a magazine? Like a magazine, yeah. And I I worked like I had a lot of classes that like they would like. <sighs> put me in like the library 
with the AV guy, Jerry, who was a total <laughs> pothead, you know, like, but you know, nobody knew kind of thing, you know, he had like the long gray hair and the long gray and beard. And now that you're an adult, and he you loved know me. So I knew I could run the mimeograph and I could like, I had control of it. So I was running off copies of like the latest edition of this thing. And I left the original in the thing like a moron. And Jerry, you know, was probably bonghitting in the back. And the dean came in and saw it. And what did uh, it say in it? Um, oh, it was just like like making fun of things, and mostly of like people in the school, and mostly teachers and deans. And, oh, it was obnoxious. Because yeah, first yeah. I was going to be like, if you were in a private school, they would have really been proud of your entrepreneurship. No, I was, and I was in a public school <laughs> in which I'd already gone through suspensions and corporal punishment and like I'd ran I'd ran the I'd already ran my uh, blew my wad so to speak in terms of like I had no ch- it was my third strike you know what I mean I know those yeah I had those. so they were like you're done and I was hallelujah and a week later I was back up in New Jersey and they were, you know I remember in back. ninth grade I was told I was on probation I didn't know whether it was social or academic because it could have been either <laughs> like I remember having yeah. to ask like oh just out of curiosity what's it for <laughs> like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could have gone in either direction. What'd you guys get me for this time? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like, like I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like the worst. Wait, so, okay, so then you got, but what other stuff did you do there that you would get expelled? You just didn't want to be in school. I basically did not want to be in school in Florida. I just like, I don't know, man. I, I never felt like I was in the right, uh, like I was in the right group when I yeah. was in school. You know, I, I, my group was outside of there. Um, and I had to find them, and I knew it was going to be here. You knew that instinct. Uh, I fucking knew it, yeah. When you went, were oh, younger, you talked a lot about going, in other interviews, you talked about going to Catholic school. And I was just curious, like, with church stuff, if you were, like, just there are a lot of comedians whose dads were preachers, and then there are other comics, because I'm just coming from a comedy background, like, yeah. who kind of talked about, like, the ornate nature of the church, like, the mythology and the, yeah. like, the fancy nature of the... Like, I was just curious if that, if that, why, well, yeah, that inspired for me, you at all. Oh, totally. Like, for me, I've said this before. Like, I didn't just come, I didn't just belong to a church. I mean, I belonged to a parish, right? Yes. So it was like the school, and attached to the school was the convent, and that's all the nuns that taught us. And then two blocks from the school was the monastery. It's not a church. If you look across in Chelsea, across the Hudson, you'll see three domes. Really look for it tomorrow. You've, they've been there forever, and that's because it's landmark. St. That's St. Michael's. Michael's Monastery. It's no longer a Catholic church. I think it's empty. But that thing was a monolith, and it was marble and stained wow. glass and fucking the stage, you know, backstage, like behind the altar, Yeah, was unbelievable. And I, like, had the run of it. I knew every nook and cranny of it. And I, like, you know, I came in after school and, like, was there when they delivered the host's and like, and I was like steaming the cassocks and surpluses <laughs> that the priests were. You know? Yeah, but they're gowns. And like they're, cleaning it's like the um the the fucking gold chalices. You yeah, know? I can't believe I, can't, I shouldn't have cursed there. It's not my religion, but I understand. But yeah, there was, was like there was like it was like theater. It was doing a show. Every that's mass what was, I was a show. Yes. And that's why I was like, I want to be a reader. I was the youngest reader in my parish. I was like 11. And I would do like, the first reading is from the reading of Paul to the Corinthians. Yes. You know, and I loved it. And I used to tell the story because the stories were fucking great. The Old Testament stories are like crazy stories. You I'm know? biased, so I like the old more than the new, but I totally appreciate oh, that. Oh, the old, man, is like, you know, it's, it's intense. And, you know, and also that church was, you know, I have to say like, 
It was about like how we could stay together. As a community? We, as a community. Do you think that's because, was it Puerto Rican or no? Or, or Latino It was or no? Latino and yeah. Italian American. Do you think that's a little bit from that too? That Maybe, element? yeah. I, well, it worked for me because I'd be like, I remember being enraptured by the sermons. Yeah. You know, like, fuck yeah. Like yes. from a young age, I had like, you know, they call it progressive school now. And like kids, people said, I send my kid to a progressive school his whole life and we pay a lot of money for it. And like, you know, like, I'm I'm really grateful that I came from a Catholic school that wasn't so um, that was about your about like humanity. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, was what religion should be? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because like when it's played out in that respect, they're all. I mean, at least with the amount of the well, nuns are a completely them. different story, by the way. That was the great thing was that like you know I hated school even then because the nuns were about a different thing. Which is what Jesus and you know and. L- 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 literally knowing how to risk, like what the stories were and being tested on them. And there was a, it was a literal message. Well, it's also interesting because that's like, on one level, it seems like you get all this discipline if you're like forced to go to the church all the time as a kid. And if you're doing community theater there as a kid, you're getting all this discipline because you're with adults. Yeah. So like you have to like do what they say in a more adult way. You know what I mean? It's not on your schedule. You know what it just boils down to is that, like, I don't like somebody talking at me. I like yeah. to feel like I'm having a conversation. I've always felt like that. I thought I was doing a pretty good job of talking at you, though. Okay, that's it. You should be a nun. Maybe I should. Fuck I, it. You know Give so, up on the. You that know was what? a little. That was a little <laughs> on the nose right now. Two, <laughs> two out of your three on your list have to do with guys or love, whatever. And do you know what I'm saying? Maybe to balance it out, maybe go be a nun for like a little spell. I feel like I'm kind of doing that right now. And that yeah, may be why those guys were just like Yeah, so but you're not committing inside. You I'm know not what I mean? committing inside. Yeah. I've never committed on, inside to that. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, the beauty. You know, I thought I wanted to be a priest when I was a kid. And I went to, to a seminary for a summer. Um, for, for part do you know of how old summer. you are? I was like 11. Well, but this makes perfect sense to me. That's why I was bringing up the, like, Bill Hicks and things like that. Like, his parents were, were um, preachers. Pentecostals, right? Yeah. Like, I know it's it's totally different than Catholicism, but I just meant, like, the, the mythology of it and the, like, ornate nature of everything. Yeah. And then well, also, I think there's something to, like, preachers that are a lot like actors. I mean, you have to have the same quality. Yeah. Because well, you have to, have to have passion. It's not like a politician where you're just... Well, both it. actors and preachers are selling a story. Yeah. You know? So... You want to sell it persuasively, you know? So wait, then, then okay, so you come back here. Yeah. Your story wasn't persuasive, so I moved on to the next chapter. <laughs> so, so then you, come back. you come back here, and then so you were in Naked Angels. Auditioning. I wasn't in Naked Angels. I was just going to Naked Angels a lot. Like so what Tuesday does that night mean? Readings. You know, they would do these Tuesday night readings. How did you know to go there? I just found out, man. I would just come into the city in the morning and, like, lurk. I was like a lurker. But like lurking in Penn Station or like... Oh, like I, I knew what the public theater was, so I went to the public theater. Okay. I knew all my theater in New York. I knew where all the off-Broadway theater companies were, and I just hit them. And you and just, just learned it from... Um, from reading, from okay. reading backstage and um, asking around. I literally, would get up in the morning, take the little bus over, get out of Port Authority, and just walk around. And like that's how I found the West Bank, the West Bank Cafe was like instinctively one of the I'm, first places I walked into. Awesome. And I met an actress who's a friend of mine today who was bartending and Steve Olson who owns it and became buddies with them. You know who also went there is Louis Black? Lou Black and Marklin Baker. 
He was really, he's always been really good to me since I started. Lou? Yeah. He's great. Because that's where he started too, was, was, was there. Yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, I just, you know, I just got lucky in terms of um, stepping into the right places, you know, and then and meeting people that I felt like I wanted to be around. Okay, so how much of that is luck and how much of it is no? Like, sometimes when people are like, it just happened, like, I'm just like, no, it didn't just happen. There were steps there, but there weren't really steps there. You were Not just really. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I didn't have any a cart. I wasn't like, hello. <laughs> trained voice, not trained. I'm Rebecca. <clears throat> hello. Sorry, let me take that again. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'll have a Guinness on tap. You point me to the nearest, you know. No. But then, like, so when did you meet Lanford Will, did he, Wilson? Did he go by Lance? Yeah. Because um, I feel like. But I never called him Lance. I couldn't do it. Too, a lot of people friendly? called him Lance. I just like, I mean, how many other fucking Lanford friends do you have? No, I don't do know have? anyone. I, don't I know might anyone. meet a billion Lances in my life. I hope not. That's really, <laughs> let's talk about that word for a minute. I don't mean to sound homophobic, but a billion Lances? It's because oh, of Lance Armstrong. About that. It's because of Lance Armstrong that I'm making not, that comment. But he's not. No, okay. but I just like to, to <laughs> add to How about story? our voices come down <laughs> when we talk about gay? I know, as if it's like, yeah, the it's fuck, a wonderful right? thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, as if it's cancer. It's but I didn't even think about stuffing. that. It's just Lance. Wow. That's also a procedure. You know what I mean? A Lance? Yeah, when you like Lance something off. Tell people, because I don't know if everyone knows, because I feel like Lanford Wilson, in addition to being a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, yeah. I feel like he helped create this community of theater, it seems like. Well, he certainly had a big hand in creating the off-off-Broadway community. And if you like, you know, when you really stop to think about it, you know, yes, there's Broadway, yes, there's off-Broadway, but we forget about off-off-Broadway. And off-off-Broadway actually has some of the best work in the city Well, going. that's why and I was that asking started how you found with out. Lanford and Sam Shepard and Terrence McNally and Joe Pintaro and this guy Joe Chino who owned the Chino Cafe, the Cafe yeah, Chino. Yeah, yeah, that's where Lanford started. Yeah, all those guys did. Like, you know, Lanford used to tell stories about, like, Sam coming in and Leonard Melfi and, you know, all these incredible playwrights, man, who that was their earliest work that led to Okay, that's why I work. asked because I didn't think you'd find that in backstage. Like that you were able to go to the sort of Yeah, but I knew, but I did know first. where I oh I knew from day one where the drama bookstore was. Okay. That was there way before me. I and used I knew exactly. Stand up there. Oh <laughs> man, I hung out there a lot. The old one above like yeah. Lace Cabaret now. <laughs> now they're fancy. Have you seen it? It's like it's right by the New York posh. Times building. Well, that's the same with your building. So like when I first moved back to New York to do comedy, I lived here. And I was coming back from a, I was trying to waitress. And they had told me that I, I was overqualified. I didn't know they were trying to tell me, like, we're firing you. They were, like, trying to be really nice about it. Oh, that that's blue nice. Ribbon, and like, I've never been fired like that, ever. <laughs> I've been fired a million times. How did you get fired? Oh, I would always get, um, I would get fired for, like, you know, um, just not caring enough. You know what I mean? But these are, day, these are like, day job kind of yeah, things? Yeah, all okay. day jobs. Okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so then I was on the subway. It was like three in the morning, and I'm I was gonna do stand up. I was reading like a how to stand up book, yeah. and this guy sits on the subway and he's those, like, "That's a good idea, by the way." Those books? Yeah, those books. He's like, good. "Don't read that fucking crap." <laughs> and I was like, "Who is this guy?" And like, not that he was necessarily hitting on me, but just like, why is he bothering me? It's three in the morning, and then he gets off at the same stop as me, and I'm like really worried. And then I'm walking to this building. Now it's fancy where you live, but yeah. I was living there, and he goes. Oh, that SRO, all you need is a subway card to get in there. And it was so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I was like, oh, he really knows. If, by the way, if he was stalking you, like, like that could have been like, I ain't going in there. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I don't even want to follow her into that building. <laughs> totally, totally. 
Really? Like, I would have stalked you until yeah, you landed yeah, at that yeah. building. I know. It's funny, right? And now it's all, but you know, it's when it was so built, it was now. a, let's not talk about my actual address too much, though. I didn't, I never said your address. Oh, man. You brought it up. The, you told everyone that you live at 483 Park <laughs> F. I never said that to anyone. Park F. <laughs> I never. By the way, if I ever I live never at 483 Park <laughs> Avenue, just come over with, you know, Adam Rapp and, uh, <laughs> and Daniel Goldfarb and kick my ass. I never. And the fact that you told everyone that Adam lives in Jersey City, I never revealed that. <laughs> so stop, stop. That's really funny. <laughs> stop Those are like everyone. weird, really pitch perfect inside <laughs> jokes. Stop telling everyone the gossip. But I, I do think it's funny because I, I lived in a room for $600 in this building, I had wow. no window. No window. No, no. I listened to your tribute to Lamford during his funeral. I thought that was just such a beautiful. Oh, thanks. Tribute, um, and he talked about like in another interview, he was talking about how he felt embarrassed for not having gone to college, and that's why he read a lot. But you read a lot since you were a little kid. It had nothing to do with whether or not. Yeah, I always read. I was a voracious, still am, uh, reader. Because some of the people I know who are the smartest in my field didn't go to college. And they're like overeducated because they educated themselves. Oh wow, yeah. And so that's why I was like, just I was just I saw like he would be exactly that prototype, like the yeah. same way like George Carlin, like Lamford would be that same kind of thing where the the person is overread, like they or, or overeducated right, because right, they've educated right, right, themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they're actually like leaps and bounds ahead of most people who. But they probably do. also don't have like you know the thing about college is I think that that's good about it is that like it does I think you know if you're committed to it I think like helps you to form, like, a sort of structure that makes you, like, remember how to remember things. Like it me, taught me how to think. I read a lot, but I couldn't pull something out now, but I know that it pop, things pop up in my head all the time, and I use them every day, references from where I've read, words, phrases, uh, I, I, you know, um, ideas, not, yeah, basically. Yeah, but that's not college. I, I mean, unfortunately, like, if you go to a liberal arts school like I do... I did, sorry. You don't, I don't think that's taught there. I mean, I think there are certain schools that teach that, but I think more is that you learn how to think and you have access to like reading books you'd never know to read, yeah. like articles you'd never know to read. And then once in a while, you might get what you have, which I feel like you had with, it seems like with Lamford and with um, Mr. Wells. Like I feel like you had two people who like looked after you early on in your career. Oh, I definitely did, yeah. Yeah. That's unique. Yeah. So, like, with, with Wilson, he took you under your wing, under his wing. Yeah, he just, um, I went and, um, you know, he saw me in something, and then he, um, and he was like, you should come to Circle Rep, because you just That's need to learn how to. That's different than Circle Square. Right, it's different, yeah. Circle Rep was a theater company that Lanford founded in 1969, um, uh, with three others, and, uh. And yeah, and it was the best, I mean, I think the best theater company in the city at the time. Um, you know, it produced great actors like Bill Hurd and Christopher Reeve and Jeff Daniels. I can't believe that Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeve acted. Chris, what do you mean? And, and like, I didn't know he was a theater oh, oh, actor. Oh, in Lefford's place. Yeah, Christopher Reeve. I thought he was just Superman. Christopher Reeve, Jeff Daniels, two, and William Hurt started in Lanford's place. And then we had the lab um, on Bleecker and Broadway. And the lab was like, you know, one whole big floor. It was the office in the back. And we had another little theater in there um, where we would do lab productions and like, like um, rehearsal rooms and places for the designers. I mean, we had designers, John Lee Beatty and 
great directors, Joe Mantello, who was acting at the time. All in one place. starting to direct. Yeah, Cherry Jones, um, Brian Tarantino. Is everyone <laughs> in these groups always this phenomenal? I mean, because all the people you're naming are all I am phenomenal. not kidding you. A circle rep, if you were to do like a, holy shit, I want to learn more about circle rep, you, your mind would be blown, the people that came out of there. Like and it's all bananas. creatively like going on at the same time. And remember, Lanford was like, you know, you stated it. I mean, the obvious is that he won the Pulitzer, but Lanford was money for a long time, you know? And so he would take you to see all these shows, like Angels in America yeah. and things yeah, like took, that? Yeah, yeah, I went to see Angels in America with him. And, and your first garden tour? And my first garden tour, yeah, because <laughs> he was very much into his garden and to gardens in general and flowers and plants and shit. Um, and he had this amazing garden, yeah. And, like, how were you able to just go and stay with him in, in Sag Harbor and things like that? Did you work there while you were there? Yeah, I, was, uh, I went out there to... Um, to uh, landscape for a summer. I was going through like a shitty breakup thing with a girl and he was like, uh, you know, why don't you get out of the city and come up and go up there and work uh, landscaping with Mike, with his, this buddy of his, Michael Baird. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck? I got nothing to do. I'm going to do that. So I went, stayed up in the attic room. Fantastic. And it's great, great old house in Sag Harbor. Very old house. Uh, and I'd work every morning from, you know, 5.30, 6 a.m. in the morning till 3 in the after, 4 in the afternoon. It's hard work. Yeah. I've, I work for my cousins, they're landscapers. It's and like work. two summers later, Lanford wrote a play, and I played a guy, a landscaper, out in Sag Harbor. And, it, and there were lines in that play that literally, you know, I'd come home. <laughs> I'd come home and like he'd be, it'd be like magic hour, and he'd be like in the garden with a martini looking at the light. You know, it's always the same thing. Look at the light. Look at the lights over on the, uh, on the end. I'm like, yeah, I know the lights on the, the light hitting the fucking Japanese blossom. And I'd be exhausted. And I'd say shit that would crack him up all the time. And he'd put a bunch of those lines in the play. How come you didn't do stand up? Because what? every time you're written about, people talk about how funny you are. Oh, that's nice. Because I, I don't know, stand up is, uh, that's really. Say <laughs> you agree? That's nice with them? Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> um. if, if, you, if folks are just tuning in to my interview with um, Bobby Cannavale, uh, the police are coming um, because he's known for playing all these thuggish and fucked up characters, and they're actually coming now to. And they saw you walk in, and they think. They know for sure. Yeah. You're... I'm so innocent and thoughtful because I'm training to be a nun. Yeah, you're not making it out of here. No. They and better they're, come. they're here to help me. Yeah. Is it, do you ever worry about playing? I mean, okay, in the same way, like as a writer, I want to preface this. As a writer, I, I worry that I have like, there's certain stories I can tell. I have like 10 stories in me. And sometimes I worry about repeating them. As an actor, because you often get called in to play these fucked up people, do you worry about imitating something you've already done? Or is it more like, oh, no, no, that helped me evolve as an actor, and now I'm going to do it this way? That's a very good question. That's a good question, man. Um, yeah, I do think about that. But I also have, like, I don't know, how do you say this? Like, I have, like, a good access to different things. Yes, yes. And, like... I, like, I, you were talking earlier about, like, you know, people say they don't know how they do it, they just do it. Yeah. So, like, if I had to, like, really think about it, like, I literally am out all the time in, in the scrum. Do you know what I mean? I'm Who like is the scrum? outside. Everybody. I'm the scrum. I'm, yeah, like, right scrum. now you're with scrum. I'm, I have to be outside. <laughs> I have to, like, I am, like, I, I'm, like, out of it most of the time, but I'm not out of it. I'm just watching everything. Yes. 
Yeah. And I literally like feel like I have like uh, some kind of like unconscious Rolodex that I can tap into. Yes. And and I do think about um, okay, am I? How much of myself right now is is I can I have to calibrate it sometimes. Right. Because I I believe that like there isn't there is a there is a um, an essential quality of mind, whatever that is, that we each have individually that comes across in every performance. It can't help it. It's what it's what Exa- we connect okay, yes, with. Right. You know? It's the thing that where and, we And in the worst case scenario, then you're like, ugh, I'm seeing so and so again. Here, I'll just do it since you don't want to name drop anyone because you have a career. Ugh, I'm seeing Meg Ryan again. And that's the worst case scenario of that. Where that imprint <laughs> like comes out. <laughs> right. I know for me, I don't ever want to be like he does this thing. And, you know, it ain't that easy for me because, you know, I, you know, I think it's easy to pigeonhole me. But I have to say, I've fucking been through a mo- I've been through a lot of different stages. And well, and also like, OK, you know, that quote, I know it's not from Mark Twain, but I don't know who it's from about how like normal families are all normal in a similar way and fucked up families are all fucked up in their own way. Right. Yeah. I think that's like true with like if you're playing like you play a lot of different you either seem to play like fucked up characters who have all these good qualities or really sweet characters who are actually like either self-sabotaging or kind of unwittingly uh, annoying or something. Yeah, but isn't like, that what we all are? Well, what I'm saying is that they're all different because like mentally ill... Men, yes, no, I don't think we all are actually, A. But but I guess what I, the point I was trying to make is that like mental illness or badness comes in so many different particulars that like you, you, can, you can play... A, guy who likes to get choked by women and likes to kill people. And then you can play an equally bad guy who's not um, doing anything physically, but maybe he's like damaging people psychologically. Like, you know what I mean? Like there are lots of uh, different, there are different ways to play madness. There are enough, there's enough forms of crazy. Definitely. That like, you're not going to be repeating. Yeah. Well, you would hope so unless, you know, listen, there are some actors who like go to the well because they know for, for other reasons, you know, because they know that's money for them or because they know that that, they're going to yeah. get a certain result that What's will result in What's your money? What's your money? Oh, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think, I honestly don't. Have that. Have that. I'm sorry. And I don't want to have that. I just don't, you know. I definitely don't have I'm, that. I'm, I'm psyched going through what I'm going through. Yeah, you, know? to, to, that, you mean that each time it feels new or different. Yeah, like, and, and I'm not like, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know because I, don't, I haven't had that kind of a career, but I would imagine that when people get ridiculously famous, there's probably pressure to, you know, there must be some kind, or... To mug. Or, to mug. To mug, or, or the other thing, to keep going so that they can stay there, you know? So, I have to say, 437 Park Ave is a dangerous neighborhood. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> They're all coming for you. I know. She hear the garbage trucks in the morning. Does that feel like a compliment? I know, I remember. <laughs> My next door. Does that feel like a compliment to you, that... You're you're so scary that police come. <laughs> you're you're your acting is so effective that people come. Um, we're just gonna let it pass. Um, when you married your your now son's mom. Yeah. Was it weird to marry into a family that was so in the business, and then you worked for her dad, right? Later on, yeah. Um, Not during. No, I mean, like, later on. Really what I'm asking. When I first met them. Yeah. There was two questions, really. Yeah. Yeah. 
So when I, I, I first, pack it all in. yeah. <laughs> so when I first met them, I didn't know for the longest time anything about them. Yeah, about okay. them. And then, um, and I don't want to be, I don't I be coy with love. the listeners. I'm obviously talking about Bill Cosby. <laughs> when you married Bill? <laughs> oh, fucking ten years of Jello. Did you know that you would have an unlimited supply? And sweatpants. But I mean, you know, to, to Sydney Lumet, I mean, like to, to marry into a family in your business like that, did it change things for you or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose so. I mean, everything changed for me. Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, I had a, you know, I, I had a kid, you know, Young. less than a year after I met my father-in-law yeah. and my mother-in-law and everybody in the family. Um, uh, and so, you know, look, I, I grew up in a family, not to like overly analyze and deep, you know, and like do some kind of like deep psychological yeah. digging, but like I didn't come from a family of artists. Yes, and no, me neither. Yeah. I came from a family of working people, you know, and who weren't, didn't go to the theater and didn't really read a lot. And, you know, and like there were no intellectual conversations really in the house. And I was in search, I've always been in search of that. I met a woman who I fell in love with and one of the reasons was her intellect. And, you know, and, and uh, it was different from what I grew up with. It was what I was attracted to and, you know, what I, what I, what I am attracted to. And so being enveloped in this family of artists just felt like heaven, absolutely. And, and on top of the fact that, you know, my, they loved me very much. Um, um, I felt supported and I felt like I could have somebody to talk to all the time. I talked to Sydney about the theater all the time and about acting and about the group theater that he knew all those guys and working on Broadway when he was eight. And He worked on Broadway when he was eight years yeah, old? Yeah, acting on Broadway. Three Broadway, Broadway shows? Um, it's unreal. Including Dead End, the play that Humphrey Bogart was in that brought him out to Hollywood and made him Humphrey Bogart. Um, so like I would hear all these stories and remember I was already hanging out with Lamford so it was like a continuation of you know of that kind of thing so um, it feels like one it sounds like from the outside it seems like this like one big family it seems very romantic yeah well that's how it felt to me it felt like you know um, uh, yeah like a family and um, and I guess you know I don't know I mean Sydney did put me in Night Falls on Manhattan, a movie that he directed. I had one line, um, but I was around all the time. Jake was just born, and so I would have Jake on the set all the time, and I was Richard Dreyfuss's assistant. That's fabulous. And, you know, I had, like, one line. We object, Your Honor. I think that was it. And then I raise a glass, you know, featured. But then you get a credit, and then you also get health insurance. Uh, yeah. And I... Um, and, you know, like, I got to, like, you know... Was that your sad card? And listen, you know, it's my father-in-law directing the movie, and he's telling me, okay, my darling, now when you... And if you knew Sydney, that's how he talked to everybody. It's the <laughs> sweetest guy in the world. So that's, like, my, one of my first experience. That's my first experience, is this sweet, benevolent, generous mensch. artist, yeah. mensch. Yeah. You know, saying, okay, my dear, so when you step up here, you know, don't... You don't, you don't have to look down at the light. Yeah, I don't have to look down so you know, you know, the camera's gonna come in here, and oh, and then they would tell you. Know, say, but he you know, took the time remember, to explain all this stuff. But he did that to everybody, with everybody. So again, like, there I am in like a very good situation for my growth in yeah, every way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm getting it again. Somebody's not talking at me, so I don't like. I don't. I'm de- my first experience isn't to like fucking fight back at somebody who's yelling yeah. at me. Yeah. That, you know, because. 
that can happen with me, you know, when I feel like I'm being yelled at. I have this this mensch, you know, who's talking to me like an artist. And an equal. And so that then becomes the way I think it's always going to be and how it should be. And so, like, that's the beginning of, like, the kinds of demands I make out of myself and others on a set or at rehearsal. And Sidney Lumet was the greatest captain of a football team that there ever was. Head cheerleader, whatever you want to call it president of the board because he made everybody feel like we were in it together and that is what he gave me more than anything above a job because to this day that's how I that's how it goes that's like the Lao Tzu who is this like he's a big spiritual Buddhist leader like he'll always say where you don't even realize that person's leading you like when I said he treated you like an equal I mean he treats you like a human being that you're really bright you just might not know this about the lighting you know what I mean Instead instead of sort of like personalizing that so that he can get the best thing out of you yeah. Well, yeah, there's like two ways to lead, right? Like you can be the guy who comes in and goes, all right, I'm the leader. Yes, yeah. Like, Everybody I mean, follow me because this is how it's done or the way Sydney does yeah. it. Yeah. No. You just gravitate towards him like our president. And then, okay, so in addition to Barry, Sydney, and Lamford, then yeah. you, how did you meet Wells? How did you get on Trinity was the show, show TV? Yeah, John Wells, Trinity. You know, I, I got a break. I was, I was um, understudying at the Roundabout Theater. For who? For whom? Really good story. Um, for Mark McKinney, Kids in the Hall. Yeah, of course. So I was covering Mark in a Fado farce called A Flea in Her Ear. Like a 15-person cast. I could name all of them right now. Okay, name them. For real? Yeah. You just said you could do it. Mark Lynn Baker, Angie Phillips, Kali Rosha, Bruce McVitie, Jim Lally, Wally Dunn, Alice Platon. Hold on. <laughs> um, George. I'll get back to his last name. He was like 90 at the time, so I think we'll be all right. Um, <laughs> um, what do you mean? Because he's dead? Oh, it doesn't Dick matter Shull, anymore? Richard Shaw, the great Richard Shaw. That's nine. Michael Countryman. Cammy Sanis. And... You've only named 11. 11 out of... Oh, 15. Four, you you 14, need three more. Need three no, more. Yeah. Virginia Louise Kelly. The other cover was Saxon Palmer, half a half a finger. This oh, is good. This is, I'll, I'll that's let you pretty off the good, head. right? It's okay. I mean, I oh, and Mark McKinney. You already said him. I did. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I mean, I wouldn't Mark come McKinney. in saying I can remember all of them and not remember them, but I. But check him. it. I was covering Mark McKinney. Phil Irwin's the director. I uh, want. I want to meet him. He's the clown. He's the best. He yeah. does. He does. He does a whole show. He does a whole one. Yeah, he's show. doing it now with Bill. With. He's doing it right now. Oh, I thought I wasn't supposed to say anything because this was going to air at a later date. No, no, no. no. You can say <laughs> but it's anything. live, everybody. <laughs> you can say anything, anything you want. Wait, okay. And so then how did Wells meet you? Yeah, so anyway, I go on for McKinney. Uh, I fucking smash it. Literally, McKinney gets the Spice Girls movie and is gone like two days after we open. So I go on for like three and a half weeks. Mark Sachs, great casting director, New York, Warner Brothers at the time comes and is like, who the fuck is this guy? Calls me in, tells, you know, I come into audition like on, cam- on, on, on tape for John Wells for Trinity. And then he brings John Wells to see the show. And that's how I meet John Wells. And, and we do Trinity. I do six episodes of that. I think it runs eight. Um, another great thing for me also, because I hadn't done any television at all. And my buddy Tate Donovan was on the show. And we were already good friends and I was like, holy shit. And I was terrified. 
And um, and it all worked. And John Spencer, who was incredible with me. Because they, ha- they just show you. Once you get there, it's not rocket science, but they show you how to do it anyway. Yeah, but, you know, like, the biggest thing about being, about working, like, on a TV show is to just relax. Yeah, I know. Just fucking relax. There's 150 people there that are there. Like, most of them are there, like, on the clock kind of thing. And they want to... They want to make a great thing, but they also want to like, they don't want to deal with any bullshit. They want to get from A to B and go home because they're going to have to do it again tomorrow for another 16 hours. I also lied when I said, yeah, I know. Like, I don't know, but I do know what you, that, so that you, you got to chill. Just, just chill out. And just, yeah. And, uh, and I was like really high strung and jittery and terrified. Of course. And I had fucking John Spencer, Jill Clayburgh, and Tate Donovan, oh. who I had a lot of scenes with those three, and they were fantastic with me. And also they're coming So from another world. experience that's like a growth experience for me and it was my first time. So like I, I fucking think of these things, you know. So John Wells, yeah, that's how that happened. And then Third Watch came out of that. How, and like you've talked about it, it as like you're finally making TV money. What is TV money? Like I make, well, I guess you wouldn't call it make unemployment, but like my. It's like money. <laughs> it's like, like, it's like what like, what you know, that? what my brother makes in a year. What does your brother do? He's a, he works in a detox in West Palm Beach. It's not a lot of, you know, it's like a lot of money for a week. It's ridiculous. You know, like. How much is a lot of money? Come on, really? Yeah. I don't want to say how much I made. Why? Everyone does. You don't have know. to say the exact number, but like around how much. It's probably public knowledge if you SAG or something like that. Is there a union rate for how much someone makes? Once you're a regular on a TV show? Yeah. No, then you negotiate. And, you know, like entry level, let's say, first television yeah. show ever. I don't know. It's like, you know, somewhere between fifteen and twenty-five thousand dollars an a episode. A week? An episode? Yeah. Holy shit. And I was l- literally like sight, you know, like four months earlier, sight that like I picked up a shift for like a par- like a yeah, party, a private party. A you catering? Know? Yeah, like a catering or a security shift. You did yeah. security too? Yeah. You did security? Yeah. And like, you know, two hundred cash. <laughs> totally. You know, that's where I get that's, excited. You know. And then ba- you were. About I used to bartend at a, at a restaurant that, like, the night before Thanksgiving it was on the Upper West Side. And the night before Thanksgiving, they blow up all the balloons, and this place was like prime um, on Columbus Avenue by the museum. So we would get like sma- you know, like really slammed. Yeah. And that was like the shift to have. And you know, you'd be psyched to be like, fucking 350 bucks. Totally. I'd be you know? thrilled. Yeah. And then, so now you're making $25,000 an episode. And that's like, no, I didn't say that. That's definitely not what I'm making. Not you, but like one makes. Yeah, one, one is making like that. Yeah, for their first TV show. That's amazing. You know, maybe, I don't know if it's less than that. But how long now, is a season? This is the other thing I don't always understand. Like, how long? It's like your whole year. I mean, it's like nine months, 10 months. Nine, nine or months. 10 months. Yeah. And so then you just save that money and then go do play. Like, this is what I understand. You work on a TV show. Yeah. You, do you save that money and then like go work on plays, or plays pay well enough that you don't need to save up from the? No, TV plays money? definitely don't pay well enough. Um, um, I've never not done a play. I mean, like I do a play every single year. You know. Um, I saw you. So the way I know you is not from TV. So I know you. The first time I saw you perform was Hurley Burley. Oh, cool. And then that was a long That's time a good ago. Good play. <laughs> That's like two thousand. Two or three? I don't know. I've got look. a picture can, in my a, bathroom that has a, the date on it. I can look it up. I have it somewhere. Yeah, it's about 2000. Yeah, it's like 10 years old. 2003, 2002. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, it was when I was, was just fast. breaking in. Wow, it's like, wow, 10 years. Shit. Know, you could do a revival older. of it. It's been that long. 
So, wait, so like with that, I felt like you guys could do it totally different from the way that it was done before, which was with fancier actors. Right. And like make it your own. But then on Broadway, do you feel... We had some pretty fancy actors. I thought it was fancy. I mean, to me, it was like a, this... Yeah, it was like the, the new version of that, in Andy a way. Wally Shawn. Wally Shawn, come on. <laughs> to me, Wally Shawn, Wally Shawn, Jerry Stiller. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It kind of uh, matches that's up. That's how I felt. I mean, I, it, it Bill felt, Hurt, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, but the way the New York Times talks about it, it's as if like you guys are these like kids who've just come and like threw it up in your backyard. If you read yeah. the review, you'll be like, oh, really? You always got great reviews, by the way. Oh, yeah? Did you know that? Did yes. That, yes, you noticed that. Um, but, but not that I always got great reviews, no. From the New York Times, you've always gotten great the reviews. The New York, um, yeah, they've been all right, you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, I noticed that. I mean, does Let that, me talk does about that it. bother you at all or ha- make you happy? Or like, when do you read the reviews? Or, or no, not at all. Mm, I mean, I might read it. You know, I've read, I've read some, you know. It's just not a thing that I like, I concentrate on really. Yeah. I can tell if something's good or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know already. I know. And then with Mauritius? Mar- Mar- Mauritius. Mauritius? Yeah. Okay, that was the one that you got a Tony... Four, and then no, nod. Yeah. I know nod. Um, nod. Nod. <laughs> I have the worst accent. Wait, and so then was it different being on Broadway? That's your first Broadway show. My first Broadway show, yeah. Was it different? Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck what yeah! Is the I was all, all. Well, it was a dream of mine to be on to be okay. on Broadway. So I, I couldn't. You know, it was. You got a lot of dreams. Overwhelming. It's a dream to be in Turturro. It's a dream to work with Al Pacino. All these dreams come true. Notice that. Yeah, it's crazy. Had a really uh, hard hard run there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm very grateful for it all. I'll tell you what. Um, but how is it different being on Broadway versus being... Being at the off, off La Mama Theater? Yeah. Making $200 a week? Um, Look, I performed at La Mama and not made any money. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm kidding. It's, I love the La Mama. Um, uh, how is it different? Um... Well, there's a lot of things that are different about it. I mean, you know, listen, I I love to go to Broadway. I love to go see shows on Broadway, but I I probably go more to smaller theaters. And a lot of the work that I like is being done at these smaller theaters. You and know that's I mean? why and the I, content and the quality of the work are... The content and the quality of the work, I find most of the time, yeah. I find more percentage-wise downtown than I do uptown. Having said that, I've... Not, you know, not to use the word luck again, I lucked out in like, I've done three, I'm on my fourth Broadway show now. Yes. And all of them were fucking great plays. Yes. Mauritius is Teresa Rebeck. I think it's her best play. It was fucking great. It, that was a great play and it was a great cast. That was just a great experience. That play could have run downtown and run forever. Yes. Um, but, you know, that was a great experience. Motherfucker with the hat. That was sh- unbelievable. Yeah. You know, for all intents and purposes, is a downtown play. I thought and I get to be in that on Broadway yes. is nuts, you know. Yeah. And Glenn Gary, same thing, you know. With Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, um, you tell us you've to- talked about like you you met Al Pacino at the Tony Awards, yeah, and that he was like, "Let's do it." No, no, <laughs> no, no, that, no. I, I sat next to him and I said, and I introduced myself to him. Finally, I wanted to meet him my whole life. He's my favorite actor, and. Um, and I just said to him, uh, I'm not going to bother you all night, but my name is Bobby Cannavale. And he said, I know where you are. And uh, I said, and I just said, can you please come see our show? I think you'll really love it. You'll love this show. And we only have two more weeks. He said, I'm coming. We came to the last show. And that, then that night he was like, let's do it. 
He didn't say it like that. He said, uh, we're going to do it. Did you think he wanted to have sex with you? <laughs> that great line in Cruising. You ever see Cruising? No. And then the guy, you know Cruising, right? Yeah. Little freaking, yeah. right? So, and he's like undercover in like the leather bar and he's like chewing gum and he's like, and the guy comes up to him and he goes, how big are you? And he goes, party size. <laughs> That's the best. I would fucking say it. I'd go past his door and just scream it to his closed door. Party size, Al. <laughs> um, you got a lot of attention for a station agent, but I also like the, the Washington Heights film. You saw that? Yes. Really? I don't see normal. This is a problem. This is why I'm like so slightly feral. It's really awesome. Nobody has ever mentioned that movie. Did you really see that? Yeah. Did you do it like when you were doing research kind of thing? You were like, oh, let me check this movie no. out, which it doesn't matter. If, you know. No. But how did you see Walt Washington Heights? It was like open in like Jackson Heights for like a week. It played here. I don't know. I went to something where they had it. Oh, cool. There, Juan Could have o- been the Latino Juan o- Film Festival. Okay, that's exactly what it is. Because it definitely screened Juan o- there. Juan o- Diaz. Juno Diaz. Juno Diaz. Oh, my God. Juno he, Diaz yeah, is the greatest. He's like a huge, 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 huge writer. He's the greatest. And I've, I'm so embarrassed. It's because I've only read him. I've never have you ever him. Have you read all his books? Have you read no. Drown? And Have you read, read the last Drown. one? Drown. is unbelievable. No, yeah, it's I unbelievable. I read the last one. Did you read Brief Winner's Life Oscar? No, it's what? really good. I know. I know. You have, I have to read that book, man. You have to read that book, and you have to read that book, and then read... Well, you could read um, This Is How I Lose Her first if you want. Short stories is fucking amazing. I love Drown. Well, if you love Drown, you should read... You could totally go right into the, the last book because the, the characters, you know, it's Junior and his brother. Yes. And, and there it's the same characters in these short stories. you got to read it. I would fucking give you my it. copy, but I don't want to give it to you because I'll never get it back. Because you know you'll never get it back. Yeah. How come everyone knows that about vibe. blending books? Vibe. Whoa, oh, 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 wait a minute. That's actually not a fair vibe because I do return things. You know what, though? You'd be the cool nun in the convent but if you, know you went with your, me? like... Do you kind know what of like, me? You think I'm a mooch just because I'm fucking broke. <laughs> but if you went into the convent with mooch, like with the moochy quality that you have, you'd like you'd run the fucking Wait, convent. Do I really have a moochy quality? <laughs> <laughs> I just like that you played and you played Angel. Well, that was a great part, and you know Juno wrote that. That's why I brought that up. Oh, yes. Oh right. Well, you started saying Juno, and then I flipped out because you no, said no. Because Wano. I said I said it incorrectly. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't know because I've only read him. <sighs> It's like there's a comic. Read everything of his, man. He's on fucking, he's in magazines all the time and his shit is I'm just so embarrassed. good. I, I can't tell if I'm more embarrassed that I pronounced his name incorrectly or that I, you think I'm a mooch. I'm not sure which one is more embarrassing. Have I taken one cigarette off you? No. How come? Because I don't, smoking is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, for, not, not for thoughtful reasons. Oh, wow. You um, liked Washington Heights. That's interesting. Cool. I thought it was a great film. I just thought I, I, I really liked it. I mean, but that I, was one of those things where I read it and I was like, I've never played on, uh, uh, you know, like a real like fucking Latin street guy. Yes. So yes. I'm gonna do that because I've never done it. I haven't gotten to do it since. Kind of did it in Motherfucker with the Hat. I that that guy's more in relation to him than any of the characters I've ever played. So I thought you, st- I mean, I thought you guys all stole the show actually, in Motherfucker with. I mean, that was so I was glad I saw it twice because I did not think that. One of the actors was as strong, but then he became much stronger at the end. Yeah. But I, I think what I liked about that play as a non-theater person was that each character was fucking nuts. I like that. Yeah. You I know, like where, where, where it wasn't like black and white of like, here's the good guy and here's Absolutely. the bad guy. And I think that's also like why 
uh, apologize that I you know, haven't watched Ally McBeal and, and all the other wonderful shows you've done, like Will and Grace and all this stuff. But like, I like Boardwalk Empire for the same reason that like, you're taking people, it's not that they're good or bad. People do good things and bad things. And even that, you can't really like say, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. Like, I like that it takes away though, it strips that away. Yeah. And it's just like, these are people. Yeah. But that's why that's why some writing is better than others, and some shows are better than others. Like the shows you like the shows and the writers you're talking about are like fucking great writers, you know, and they're writing multi-dimensional characters. And like in the case of Boardwalk Empire, they have the medium to do it, you know, and the uh, and the um, you know they've got they they can afford to do that in a, in a way maybe that like somebody who's trying to make his movie to, so that he can make his next movie yes. or the way somebody who writes on a network show can't write, for instance, because they're not allowed to. Or, yeah, because Will and I mean? Grace is really good writing too. It's just a different kind of writing. But really good writing and like, you know, Max and David like introduced a new, a whole new genre. So they got the run of the mill. They got yeah. the run of the, of the, of the, you know. What's the expression? The run of the what? I don't know. I'm the one who can't pronounce it. The run of the castle? The run of the... Juan Diaz. (laughs) Thank God I wasn't introducing. (laughs) I knew I was making fun of myself, fucker. I'm just kidding, Tabby. (laughs) That was good. That was totally perfect. Tabby. Um... I just think it's funny that I was over... Because I was, like, overdoing it. I was doing, like, what a white person does. I was like, Juan Diaz. No, I know. Like, Phil Hartman. That's exactly... Remember Phil Hartman? I love that character. I was like, our next guest will be Juan Diaz. And you're like, no, it's Juno. He takes the mic off, <laughs> just walks out. And you're like, no, it's fucking Juno Diaz. Um, well, you better read those books. I'm telling you. But Drown was amazing. Drown's am- but if you love Drown, you've got to keep going because he's just getting better and better. He's a great writer, man. I wish he'd write a movie. I would love for him to write a movie that I could be in. Do you think he'd be on Employee of the Month based on how it's going so far? I don't far? know. You want to know something? I'm like seriously a stalkery fan of his yeah and i met him all those years ago but we didn't we didn't stay in touch and he didn't blow up and i know he teaches at mit yeah because so i found him by? and i emailed him and i didn't get anything back but i don't know if i emailed like the like juno diaz fan page i might have you may have also like they may have read your pronunciation wrong like in the email they may have sensed that you were you were pronouncing dear that. mr marquez <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Dear Juno Garcia Marquez, I love your work. Are there any films you have done that you have regrets about? Or TV shows or anything like that? Or ah. women or anything? <laughs> yes, I'd like to talk about it now for the next 26 minutes. <sighs> no, I've got no regrets. <laughs> really? Regrets? I've made a few. <laughs> that is That's a brilliant, the best fucking no, line ever. Regrets? Talk I've made a few. <laughs> but then again... Drink, by the way. <laughs> Sip of the drink. Hit of the joint. Then again, too few to mention. Probably not a joint because there'd be a lot to mention. Do you know what I mean? Then, it, then the rest of that, the ellip- like the ellipsis, the rest of the ellipsis is like, actually, <laughs> Now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. That's great writing. Talk about great writing. Okay. So you're in a play right now with Clifford Odets. <laughs> yes. You're in a play... Written by Clifford the Big Red Dog. Yes. Um, you're, you're in this huge play, The Big Knife. <coughs> yeah, great play. And so this is the most intense play you've ever done, you said to me earlier when I was setting up? Yes. Well, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's very different, as I like them to be, of course. Uh, but it's, a big, it's a, just a big play. I've been obsessed with this play for 16 years. 
and been trying to get it done for all those years. You have, personally. Yeah. I've been squawking about it, trying to get a reading of this play done and like, you know, very hard to get the rights and like, or theater companies just didn't want to do it with me or like they literally have had theater companies that I've worked at pass on a reading of it. And I finally got a reading of it at the roundabout. Doug Hughes, who I'd worked with him with Mauritius, I told him about the play back then and he got excited about it and was like, whoa, man, this is a great play. And last year, he got the roundabout to do a reading and that night they gave us this Broadway slot. So it's been like a long, it's been like brewing for many years inside of me, um, thinking about the play and now I'm finally here and it's like a fever dream, you know? It's just intense. It's kind of amazing that all of your dreams have come true. Are there any dreams that haven't come true? Like, you wanted to work with Al Pacino. You got to be in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I don't know, man. You know, I never, like, I've just never planned any any of it. It's like, it's that thing of, like, if you, th- if you, like, I know the people, like, I know the people who I, like, love and the people who I, like, the kind of things that I want to do. And, like, if I think about it, yeah. it kind of happens. Yes. You know? Yes. But it doesn't, okay, just talking to you, it never feels like you have, like, this sort of needy expectation, which, like, I have a needy, when we started talking, I was like, yes, I would, like, a boyfriend, what else did I say? A job. A boyfriend and love. <laughs> and love. Love, job, boyfriend. <laughs> but that was smart that I didn't put it on the boyfriend to be the onus of the love. But it's what you meant, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, so it's exactly the <laughs> but same. But I mean, th- th- there's a neediness there. There's a neediness for me needing a job. I need a job to survive. Yeah. To, like, you know, pay my bills. Yeah. But what we're talking I about I need here. a job, too, to survive. And I need a job. I need to be working all the time. It keeps me sane. It keeps me, um, like, fulfilled. It keeps me feeling um, like I'm using, like, every cell in my body. That is- Otherwise, I just, like, I'm, like, uh, you know, I'm just walking around the city, you know. I can't buying hot dogs and I, I can't stand when people sort of make fun of actors or artists or writers because it's like I want to work. It's not that like it's not that I I want to not be working. I want to be working. Yeah. So like I have to work on my own projects. Like if I, even if I'm making money from something, I have to be writing things. Like there's no part of me that couldn't yeah. survive otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find that like irritating. But now you've chosen you refuse to live to LA. So my refuse to live Moved to LA, which I love. So I just wanted to hear, like, how did you make that possible that you can be here and still have this? I love, you know, a lot of. Um, I mean, just sticking to my, sticking to my guns about it. I mean, you know, I, I never had when I was a younger person. I always wanted to be a New York actor, and I always wanted to live in New York. I lived so close to New York, you know, and like it was in Union City, New Jersey. Union City. So it's like a mile, two miles away. You can and see I could the- see it out my window, the Empire State. And um, so I really knew I wanted to be here. But having said that, having said that, I, I never, um, I didn't have, um, uh, I didn't have anything against LA. Just I, you know, I ended up having a kid really young. And once I had a kid, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be away from him. And so, you know, like it's, maybe it's why it took me a little longer. You know, I didn't get third watch until I was, you know, 28 or 29 years old, you know? Um, I didn't start till I was 27. Start doing this? Yeah. Yeah. But I was in the city. I was like, I was doing plays for years before that and working in bars and all that. Um, Yeah, that you earned your, I mean, you definitely put your work work in and moved up. Yeah, it feels like I've like started at the bottom and moved, you know, taken the steps up. So, 
So I was already doing that, and I knew how to work a job that wasn't that wasn't too bad. It was kind of social, like bartending and security and clubs and shit. You know, like it was like fun. Um, so I didn't feel this pressing need. There was never a pressing need to go to LA. And then once I started working here all the time, there were some there were a couple of years there where like you know it definitely cost me and kept me in the bar a little longer, a couple yeah. years longer, yeah, and made me do things like understudy. But if I didn't understudy, I would have never gotten the break. Right, right. I could have right, been right. in LA that you know, during that, but I didn't want to be away from my kids. So I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take whatever work I can get. And that that's the work I, I got, you know? Um, and then when you film these shows out there, like, so I never felt the need that like LA had what I was missing. I haven't missed anything. I've yeah, worked nonstop know. here. So I will not go out. Now my son's going to college. So yeah, I'll go out to LA to work, but I, it's highly likely that I will not do a television show in New York city. I mean, in LA, sorry, in Los Angeles. So, what? Do you keep a place out there or something? Like, do you just go out no. for, like, when you're doing a TV show or something, or no? I've only gone out there a few times for work. I've gone out there for Will and Grace, and when I went out there, they worked around my schedule with my son, so I never had to go out on the weeks that I had Jake. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and so I'd go out for a week on my off week with Jake, like, once a month, and it was always on the off week. Um, so, that, so then I'd stay in a hotel, you know, uh, the Chateau Mama. Is that true? Fucking great hotel, yeah. Um, uh, and then... Um, Wait, is that kind of like the there? Chelsea Hotel here where I feel like everyone I know who stays there is actually really cool? I guess so. It's a, just a great... It's it's just... It's a great building. It's, the hotel is beautiful. It's incredible. All the rooms are different. They're like... It just feels like an apartment to me. It feels like a great apartment. Totally. Yeah. No, I don't know. But I, but I, but I imagine it no, sounds I like really it. great. Um, so, all right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on Employee of the Month. You've won an Emmy. You've had... Yeah. Did you have to, like, wait a second to figure out if you won an Emmy? Yeah, I couldn't. I still can't believe I have one of those. I don't have it here, you know. It's at my mom's house. So it's not like I could look up and be but like, yes, so there it is. That's really sweet that it's at your mom's have you ever house. Seen, well, Two Tony nominations? Two Tony nominations. And now you're finally winning the Employee of the Month award. Oh, my God! Congratulations! <laughs> oh my god. It's always exciting to win an award. Do I have a minute here? Yes. It's always exciting to be nominated for. Who was I nominated against? Okay, you were nominated against. Um, I want to thank them. You should thank them, right? Want, you were yeah, nominated. Oh, you know who, who, who chose not to do the show? Who? You were nominated against. Who turned it down? Teddy Wayne. You don't know him? Exactly. Um, but 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 you've been you're in a you're in a group with a lot of great people who you know. Yeah. Robbie well, Bates, Adam Rapp, well, Rachel those Maddow, guys. just to be Steinem. mentioned in the same breath as those guys. It's good, right? It's really good. So thank you. Thank you for being on our show, Bobby. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please check out our website, employeeofthemonthshow.com. That's employeeofthemonthshow.com. You can nominate people. You can give me feedback about the interviews, what you liked, didn't like, people you'd like to hear from. Again, this show is about jobs, work, and culture. So trying to get a sense of how people spend their time, what they do with it. We really only, we meaning me, like to only interview interesting, good eggs. The good part meaning that they have a moral compass. I probably will not take someone if they're a dictator or a parking ticket officer, but anyone else who has a really interesting job or career, please feel free to uh, let us know about them. Please donate if you have money. 
we could really use your help. It makes the sound quality that much better. It helps pay for people. And even me, I could afford to have three meals in a day instead of combining. That would be a delight. I really want to thank Ian Mazoff for being just a wonderful partner in crime, as well as all of you for listening. Thank you so, so much. And how did I not thank Lady Parts? Thank you, Lady, for being the best co-host a host could ever have. I'm Katie Lazarus. Be well. <laughs>